You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And I thank you for joining us because we're talking about a very, very important subject. You know, when it comes to the study of end-time things and different prophecies, um, it's important to understand that God sees three different groups of people and has a program for each group of people on planet Earth. And uh, the Apostle Paul summarizes this, points this out in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32, where he says, Give none offense, not to the Jews, nor to the nations or the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Those are the three different groups of people that God sees and deals with on planet Earth. The Jewish people, the Gentiles, and the church of God. Now, if you're a Jew or Gentile, but you receive Christ, you are now part of the third group, the church of God. The church of God is made up of both Jew and Gentile who believe on Christ. If you've not received Messiah and you're a Jew, you're in that category. If you've not received Christ and you're a Gentile, you're in that category. You're a Gentile. But God has a totally different program for those Jew or Gentile who are in the church. Many of the prophetic things that Jesus said pertain to the Jewish people and to the Gentile world. He did not say some of these things to the church. The church was still a mystery. It would be later through the Apostle Paul that Jesus would explain and reveal his plan for the church. And Paul did bring a great deal of understanding to us. And so that's very important for us to understand. See, what a lot of people do is just they take and they, they mix up everything. People say, we want food. Well, what, is, what kind of food? Are we talking about carbohydrates? Are we talking about meats? What are we talking about? Are we talking about fruits? Are we talking about vegetables? What kind of food? Grains? Cereal grains? Is that what you're talking about? What is food? It, you see, you don't just lump it all together. And prophecy in general, can apply to a number of different things and have a number of different targets. I had four children. I raised each of them individually. I didn't treat them all with the same discipline. If one of my sons did something that merited discipline and correction, I didn't bring all four of the children in and correct them all at the same time. I dealt with each one of them individually pertaining to where they were. And so God's no different. He deals with us and He sees us in different categories. He places us there. He places us in the church. We have been put into the church, baptized into the church, and my wife was saying something here a while back, and it was the inspiration for the beginning of this series. And she said, I wish there were something where we could see right where we are. And I said, well, listen to me. I can tell you this, that if you want to be in the church fully aware of where you are and have the attitude that comes with the knowledge, it's not just enough to have the knowledge. A lot of people have some knowledge of prophecy. But they need to be continually aware of God's attitude toward them I said, you really need to stay focused on the church. What did God say to the church? So 
I'm not going to get into a lot of scriptures in this series called The Mystery of the Church. I'm not going to get into a lot of scriptures about things that are going to pertain to the world. I'm going to talk about things that pertain to the church, the body of Christ. What we can expect to see, what our mission is, what our focus is to be, how we're to behave, what we're to do. And that's the purpose of this series. All right, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 17. And keep again, Jesus has not yet revealed much about the church. He did in Matthew 16 say it was coming, but he still hadn't given us a whole lot of information about it. But this is what he said in Matthew 17, verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, that's the Greek form of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now, in the late 90s, there was a whole lot of hubbub about Y2K. If you go back and you find my tapes and my messages from those days, you will hear me saying there will not be a worldwide collapse. Not going to happen. Y2K isn't going to bring a worldwide collapse. Loads of teachers were preaching this. Tons of guys were selling dried food and things like that. Prophecy teachers were falling into all of this. I never bought into it, and I did it because of what I saw in this scripture and what I was taught concerning this scripture. That when the flood came, it was a day like every other day. There was no interruption of commerce. Marriages were scheduled. All of these things take money. It costs money to give your daughter in marriage. That's, it costs money to marry a woman. All of these things have to do with economy. And Jesus is saying it will be business as usual when I return. And whether he's talking about returning to the world or returning for the church, it's the same. It's going to be business as usual. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So the city of Sodom was lulled into a complacency because nothing unusual had been happening. And uh, they were totally unprepared for what was about to come. It's very sudden. And so Jesus is telling us here that it will be very much like this in his return. It won't be a, a thing where everybody in the whole world is saying, oh, things are getting so bad, Jesus is about to come. That isn't the way it's going to be. There are going to be a lot of scoffers, a lot of mockers, even in the church. I'm telling you, there will be many in the church, Christian figures, who will make fun of this idea that Christ is going to catch away the church. I'm just going to prepare you for it now. It's already happening and will happen on an even greater scale. Does it bother me? I'm upset for them, for their, their, their sakes. It has no bearing on me, and it certainly has no bearing on Christ. He always gets the last laugh, so I wouldn't fall into that kind of stuff. Now, these stories, Abraham, or not Abraham, Noah and, and Lot, are stories of judgment, but they're also stories of redemption. And, and I want to get into this for a minute because there's no separation of the two. 
Anytime there is a redemption, there is also a judgment. There has to be. You can't act in one without the other. Uh, a lot of people get perplexed because God killed Pharaoh. I said it. He killed him. He killed him dead. He killed all of his soldiers dead. He drowned them in the Red Sea. God did it. He didn't just permit it. He did it. And he judged them because they were about to destroy his chosen people. Now think about this for just a minute. Those people carried a promise with them, a promise from God that could not be broken. Listen to me. If God is ever made to be a liar, the whole thing collapses. He cannot be a liar. He said that a Messiah would come, that the seed of woman would come. He promised that it would come through the family of Abraham. All of the family of Abraham that God spoke about had been narrowed down and was in this group of Israelites. There was somebody in the Red Sea who was destined to become an ancestor of Jesus, the Messiah. If that person is killed by Pharaoh, then the whole prophecy is broken. So the salvation of the world depends on the rescue of the Jews in the Red Sea. So I don't know how many, a few thousand uh, Egyptians died in the Red Sea, but that's nothing compared to the billions who are saved and will be saved by virtue of the cross of Christ. And so when God acted in judgment, it was also an act of mercy. It was an act of redemption. Whenever God has to take such a strong stand to permit death to come on one group to save another, it is because there is no other way. God doesn't do that. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But if he does have to bring the death of a wicked person in order to save someone, it is because there's no other way left. And that's what we see here in the character of God revealed in this story. And Jesus is pointing us to that. Now, even the judgments of God, and we read about them uh, in the book of Revelation, starting around chapter 4, you start seeing the judgments of God being released on the earth. Um, you, you see that it's always revealed in a seven. There are seven churches seven trumpets, seven seals, seven thunders. We don't know what they said. Seven bowls of judgment, at least five sevens in the book of Revelation. A uh, uh, pastor called me here not long ago and said, Pastor Willie, seven's the number of gods, number of gods, fatness, fullness, completion. Seven's a number uh, that is often associated with God. Why is it? Well, it's a perfect number. You can't divide seven and come up with two equal halves, two equal parts. For that reason, it's considered a perfect number. It is the symbol of the end of something. It's the full week. We have seven days of creation, the seven-day week that's stamped on earth. We see seven all through uh, God's program. So we've got all this evil stuff going on on planet Earth. The Antichrist is doing this and that, the false prophets out there. There's a great whore, the great red dragon. All these things are working, but we've got sevens all over it. Now, when the Antichrist comes along and puts his mark on people, that's 666. 
and six is the number of a man. But we've also got these sevens. And this guy said, so if this is a time of evil, then why are there all these sevens? It's because God is allowing the evil to go only so far. He is permitting it to happen with limitations. He's always done that. God has always done that. He's never let it go too far. He may let it go to a threat. Listen to me. All of the seed royal was killed. There was one little guy who was left alive. And he was, he was hidden from this grandmother, this wicked grandmother named Athalia or Athaliah, however you want to say her name. And she killed, after the death of her son, all of his children. She thought she got them all. There was one little guy who was saved and spared from her wrath. And that's, uh, he gets killed. He's carrying the line of David. He's the one that fulfills prophecy. The, the bloodline of Messiah is in him. He's the last human being in a position on earth to be a fulfillment of that prophecy. She's killed everybody else. But God had his hand on that little guy. And so what I want you to see is there's nothing that the devil could do. It may look like it's hanging by a thread. And, and listen to me. God lets things go to the wire sometimes. I, I've accused him of letting things go past the wire. My, I, my wire is a different place than God's wire. But the righteous are always separated from the wicked. And that's what you see in the stories of Noah and in the story of Lot. There's a separation. The separation is between the righteous and the wicked. Before the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, before they were destroyed, God appeared to Abraham and he showed him what he was going to do. And Abraham, sensing the danger that would come upon Lot, he began to pray for those cities. And I want you to see how he talked to God, how he interceded for Lot in this manner. Genesis chapter 18. And he said to God, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Said it twice. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That's pretty audacious, isn't it? But I think Abraham well knew the character of God. And so on the one hand, he senses God has a right to judge these cities. I know these cities are wicked. But on the other hand, he knows that there are righteous people there, so he has a great concern about that. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> if you live in the middle part of the country uh, and you don't have any relatives in California, uh, it's very easy to say that California is so wicked it's going to fall off into the ocean. <laughs> I've heard people say that. You have family out there. You have a totally different take on that. I've had family out there. I, I, I care about California. I have a lot of friends in California. I, I, listen to me. Uh, I know this about God. If he judges and deals with the place, he will always be fair with his righteous people. He always considers them. Listen to what Nahum says in verse 2, chapter 1. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Ooh, The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. Don't think he won't. Jesus is not always peace and smiles. There will be a day when he will deal with evildoers on planet earth. But listen to what he says. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and reserves his wrath against his enemies. His wrath is reserved for his enemies. So the church is not appointed 
to wrath. We've not been appointed to wrath. New Testament says that. And so this is something that I want you to see and consider in God's end time plan and program. Just a principle. And um, we see it revealed in the New Testament, but we see a, a precedent for it that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And that is God never dealt with everybody the same way. In other words, one child committed an offense, the parent didn't go spank all four of the children. And God doesn't do the same thing. He doesn't do that either. He separates people. Three different groups. The Jews, the nations, and the church. 1 Corinthians 10.32. Never forget that. All the time I've got for today, we will pick up here tomorrow. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.